Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of your active, it's my pleasure to welcome you to our latest policy debate. How can SMEs thrive post-pandemic in a digitalized world? And our event today is supported by Google. Once our speakers have given their opening statements, we'll turn to our panel discussion. And we do look forward to your questions. You can ask your questions via the Q&A function on the right-hand side of your page. Uh, we'd ask that you keep your questions short and also state your affiliation. And don't be shy to tweet. If you are going to tweet, we'd ask you to use the hashtag EADebates, hashtag EADebates. It's well known that SMEs play a significant role in the economic well-being of the EU. They account for over 60% of employment across the bloc. SMEs push forward economic innovation and flexibility. They push forward the adoption of new technologies. And overall, they provide benefits to market competition and ultimately to consumers. Prior to the COVID-19 crisis, many SMEs expressed cautious optimism with a positive economic outlook for growth and the opportunity to invest. But sadly, COVID has seen many SMEs in a fight for survival. Despite the benefits of digitalization, SMEs still lag behind larger businesses in the adoption of nearly all technologies, even though they are connected to the internet at the same rate. This digital divide presents policymakers with the difficult task of supporting SMEs even further in the post-pandemic recovery. But there's also cause for optimism. Early evidence from business surveys show that over 70% of SMEs have intensified their use of digital technologies due to the COVID crisis. Many of these changes are poised uh, to last, given that investments have already been made and that business benefits have already been seen. So almost all SMEs have been impacted and they face risks due to COVID. But it's clear that the more digitalized SMEs uh, have identified new business opportunities in the pandem pandemic economy at a higher rate than the less digitalized businesses. Challenges related to availability, capacity, capability are still impeding SMEs to digitalize and ultimately to find these new business opportunities. And this is where they are looking to policymakers for help. To discuss all these issues this afternoon, we are joined by Birgit Weidel, who is head of unit SMEs at DG Grow at the European Commission. Arba Kokolari, who is a Swedish MEP. She's a member of the EPP group and also a member of the IMCO committee at the European Parliament. We, had, we have Ivan Stefanic, who is also an MEP, but he joins today's debate in his capacity as president of SME Europe. Jan Havlik, who is head of unit for internal market and competitiveness at the Czech permanent representation to the EU, and Karen Massin, who is Director, Government Affairs and Public Policy, European Institutions at Google Europe. Welcome to all our panelists. 
I'd like to kick off by asking each panelist to deliver a brief uh, two to three minute introduction, outlining your main uh, thoughts on the topic. And Birgit, may I turn to you and ask you to go first, please? Thank you, Ross, and good afternoon. Um, you've mentioned it, uh, SMEs have suffered heavily during the crisis. Uh, the value added has dropped dramatically by 7.6% in 2021 and uh, 2020. And uh, employment in SMEs went down by 1.7%. That uh, translates into a loss of 1. million jobs in SMEs. So um, the good news is uh, that the economy is picking up in 2021 and there is reason for, for optimism. Um, to ensure, however, that uh, all our 23 million SMEs uh, stay afloat and make the long-term recovery, they really need to adapt their business uh, to the new uh, post-pandemic reality. Uh, the, the crisis, as we all know, has accelerated new trends, uh, consumer behaviors like online shopping and so on, and, and that's totally uh, evident for, for the digital case. Um, in addition, uh, we have also seen in our SME performance review uh, that companies which have already made use of the benefits of digitalization have uh, fared much better during the crisis and incurred, uh, incurred less losses. Um, unfortunately, as you mentioned, many SMEs and in particular the smallest, our micro companies, are still latecomers uh, when it comes to, to digitalization. Um, the smaller a business is, uh, the less likely it is actually that it has taken measures to, to introduce technical uh, digital technologies. The Commission has put forward very ambitious goals uh, on the digitalization of, of companies. By 2030, we want 75% of all EU companies to use cloud, artificial intelligence and big data. And for SMEs, uh, for 90%, we want them to reach a basic level of digital intensity. Next to creating a, a legal framework that empowers in particular our SMEs, um, a lot of support and capacity building is therefore necessary to achieve uh, these ambitious goals. Uh, our SME strength, uh, strategy that was adopted in 2020 uh, provides targeted support for also the different needs that the different uh, SMEs have. Companies that are at the beginning of the digital transition will support, for example, from uh, advice from digital innovation hubs. Um, but there is also support for uh, SMEs who are actually front runners and, and driving the, the digital transition with their innovations. Um, for example, uh, together with the Intellectual Property Office, we have launched an, an SME fund uh, where we offer IP vouchers to SMEs and that covers uh, a partial reimbursement for trademarks and design registration. So this is how we help them to protect their innovation. Um, it's uh, equally important, uh, as I said, that we set the right legal framework um, that empowers the SMEs. Uh, the Digital Services Act and the Digital Market Act are, are key initiatives contributing to this. But what is also very important is that we, we really take a concerted effort at EU and at national level. And uh, in the Commission, and especially in the SME unit, we are very pleased to see that the national resilience and recovery plans 
include numerous measures uh, that will help uh, SMEs in particular to digitalize. I will stop here and uh, I look forward to an interesting debate on this very rich topic. We'll certainly come back to some of the points that you raised in that opening statement, but certainly some ambitious plans to help uh, SMEs grow in the, in the coming years. Um, Arba, may I turn to you now, please? Yes, thank you very much, uh, Ross and dear panelists and everyone listening uh, at home or at work. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm happy that you are focusing on how to uh, boost uh, the European SMEs since the single market is the biggest success that we've had in the European Union, which have created jobs and prosperity and innovation to our continent. But uh, we cannot um, continue to live uh, on old merits because the global competition out there is huge and massive. And Europe is lacking behind, uh, comparing to the United States and Asia and China. So, um, in able to be the global, uh, to reach global success in prosperity and jobs and entrepreneurship, uh, we have to make sure that Europe and the SMEs are the best in the world when it comes to digitalization and sustainability, and that our rules and our um, our uh, single market uh, will set the global standards when it comes to, to those two topics. Uh, I'm the negotiator for the EPP for the well-known Digital Services Act, which are going to update uh, the 20-year-old um, directive for e-commerce. And 20 years ago, the internet looked very different from today. Uh, we didn't have any social media, for example. And now when we are regulating on this very important uh, digital uh, legislation, uh, it has to be crucial that the regulations and the rule uh, needs to be easy to follow and easy to implement. And to make sure that, yes, we will have a a, a playing level, a level playing field for the, the biggest actor, but also to make sure that the smallest and the SMEs are not drowned with bureaucracy and administrative burden, so that companies operating and developing in Europe can focus on their core business instead of bureaucracy. And uh, one example I usually take is that uh, the GDPR, which will, has a very good intention and is an important legislation for private data, but has become very, very difficult for SMEs to, to follow and implement. And I don't want us to uh, repeat that, um, uh, that way of regulating. So we need to have uh, um, a regulation that is boosting the SMEs. And, and having one set of rules on digital in Europe instead of 27 different, because that will increase our competition. We need, my party, we're driving also very hard to uh, remove uh, thousands of bureau bureaucratic rules that we have in the European Union. So when we regulate and create new rules, we also have to make sure that we remove old rules that are creating gold plating and bureaucracy. The other part is boosting uh, the climate agenda. And uh, for me, it's really crucial that when many European companies are working on sustainability, uh, we need to make sure also that we 
remove tariffs and obstacles to uh, and trade barriers to uh, um, uh, for for green businesses. For example, it's a really unfortunate that we have European tariffs on low emission products such as electric vehicles uh, that are making sustainable technology less competitive. So more green trade and last but not least enable to make uh, digitalization and sustainability come true come true we need to have uh, fossil free energy and uh, and boost the electrification and uh, without uh, without continuing with dependent of coal and uh, russian gas so electrification will be uh, huge and very important for this transition Thank you, Arbor, and we'll certainly come back to how uh, policy can, can enable European SMEs to be the best in the world, uh, as you say. Um, Ivan, uh, your initial thoughts, please. Ivan, I think you're on mute. Would you unmute, please? Or uh, initial comments, please. Thank you very much, Ross. And good afternoon to everyone. It's, it's good to see some familiar faces at the panel. And also thanks to everyone who has joined. Now, when you put your question, um, my first uh, immediate reaction for the first five minutes was, uh, can they? Uh, and then I thought, no, 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 I, I can't answer in, in this way. I have to go and, and go on a bit more optimistic note. And I think Birgit and MEP Kokalari have, have said a lot that uh, we would agree with. So I, I, can, I can nod my head to what we have heard, uh, heard so far. What I'd like to, to add is that it is a very difficult question to, to tackle, and even the competitiveness ministers have tried just this uh, um, last Thursday at their meeting. Uh, they discuss uh, this uh, similar question over, over lunch. Um, they often mention digital skills as a precondition. So I would add this subject uh, to what it has been, has been said. Uh, slightly philosophically, um, when you say, how can we help them use more digital instruments, is this, uh, you know, let's give the choice to them. Um, it was interesting to, to read in the SME performance review of, of 2021 that Birgit was mentioning that there is 59% of SMEs who don't feel an urge to go digital. And now, this, of course, that is slightly uh, alarming. And uh, the way we think is to go forward is to just show them uh, very practical and very clear examples of how to uh, expand their business or improve their business through uh, through very concrete things because if i take the check case uh, we are sort of a um e-shop superpower there is a 10 million uh, population in the czech republic and we have 42,000 e-shops in our country now most of these e-shops are are run by a single person a family or a very very small business and they are just on the day-to-day -day, uh, they don't have they don't feel they have the time to uh, go for courses or online courses or develop their own web page but if we if we show them very good examples of, of how other SMEs have uh, managed to uh, to get richer or more successful uh, or whatever positive example we can we can show them in practical terms, we think this might help. There was a survey among uh, Czech online businesses recently uh, carried out by the Confederation for Industry, which found that the businesses find the GDPR uh, as the most burdensome um, EU activity of, of all. 
And now, you know, I, I don't want to discuss that at all, at all and not, not today, but if the GDPR is, is taken as, as a burden on the SMEs, uh, you know, let them wait for the DSA, which has been mentioned. It, it has potential. I hope we it doesn't end up there, but, but it has potential to add uh, a lot more administrative burden. So just like uh, MEP Kokalari was saying, the legislation we we think the way to help SMEs strive is to make it understandable by the SMEs, to know what they're doing. Uh, and this way, this can bring them, bring them forward. Uh, what I would also like to add, just two last things to the discussion, is uh, state aid uh, in COVID terms. Uh, for the Czech Republic, it's a bit of a difficult subject because on the one hand, we are helping the SMEs. On the other hand, we might be distorting the single market. So we, we need to do this. We need to do this right, but we understand why there is why there is a need uh, and i'll end up here look forward thank you okay yes thank you jan and um ivan we have fixed the sound issue now so uh we're waiting to hear your initial comments please Thank you very much, Ross. Uh, I hope everything is okay. So uh, really good afternoon, everybody. I'm pleased to be with you and to discuss such important topic as uh, the situation of SMEs. Uh, it's the matter of fact that SMEs suffered companies because actually uh, they didn't have sufficient reserve. Uh, in SMEs Europe, basically, we made the EU survey on SMEs, major challenges and how we can help them. And there are three main outcomes. Firstly, they need to improve the access to capital. Secondly, they need to have less bureaucracy. Thirdly, they need to improve access to data. So that's what we have to do. Basically, those uh, issues were addressed by small and medium entrepreneurs. It's very clear that... Uh, SMEs need to become more digital if they want to remain competitive and sustainable. And during pandemic, it was very clear that many SMEs changed uh, procedures, changed also the way where, how to approach customers. They changed supply chain. So everything is more more digital for SMEs. Therefore, the legislative uh, approach is very critical. As my dear colleague Arba Kokalari has mentioned, the DSA legislation will be crucial for them to, to simplify current situation. All the legislative changes must be simple, predictable, and also uh, stable. I think stability is very, very important for small and medium entrepreneurs. From my point of view, uh, to become more digital, what we can do from a European perspective, we have to tackle three areas. Firstly, we have to improve digital infrastructure, uh, secondly, we have to invest much more in digital skills. And thirdly, uh, last but not least, also we have to improve legislation. We shouldn't forget also the fact that we have not completed single market yet, particularly in area of services. It's still the obstacle uh, for many small and medium entrepreneurs uh, to do their business on uh, our European single market. We have to complete single market, particularly in the area of services, for example, delivery services. Another issue is to build real digital single market and to set up the standards, which I do believe they have the chance to become world standards in digital world. 
because we also we have to cooperate much more with us in terms of uh, digital standardization particularly in terms of data protection taking into consideration that we have not finalized uh, privacy shield hopefully uh, we can uh, finalize this area soon because this is also crucial for small and medium enterprises uh, doing business uh, not only in EU, but outside EU. So that's for the beginning. Thank you very much. Thank you for that, Ivan. Um, Karen, please, the floor is yours. And I hope next year we can actually have these discussions face to face one day. Uh, it's been extraordinary times and people and businesses have been asking more from technology and technology companies rightfully. As many of us uh, unfortunately face further lockdown across Europe at the moment, it's important to note that for many businesses, digital tools have actually been a lifeline during lockdown. And also for all of us, you know, to help us to work, you know, to also connect with our families and get uh, the latest uh, public health information. The DSA and the DMA as well are important for digital future of Europe. The DSA proposal provides an opportunity to increase public confidence in online tools and online privacy and stimulate a more sustainable economic recovery and enable more innovation and competition online. It helps to harmonize the online rules in the EU, which, as MEP Cocalaria said, are about 20 years old, and that ultimately going to contribute to the competitiveness of the digital single market for us and for SMEs. And as you mentioned, Ross, SMEs are the engine of the EU economy, and they are central to the EU's twin digital and green transition, contributing to Europe's sustainable future growth. They are a source of creativity, innovation, and crop creation. And as discussions are hitting a very critical moment on DSA, I think it's vital that we discuss and see how the new regulations are going to impact the innovation dynamics. Notably, SMEs and consumers should be put at the heart of the ongoing and future legislative discussions. There is a need for a regulatory framework that provides greater clarity on the responsibility of digital platforms, promotes consumer choice online, and encourages business customers to make more use of the internet to the benefit of the European economy at large. We feel it is about clear, sensible regulation with robust safeguards. I think it's fair to say that uh, digital tools have been a vital catalyst for the economic recovery that must come after COVID-19. And in rewriting the rules that govern the internet, you know, the EU has an opportunity to rebuild the foundations and set global standards so that everybody can thrive online and consumers can benefit from wide choices at lower prices. I think there are some commentators who suggest that some of the proposals would prevent global technology companies like us from building innovative digital tools and that will help European businesses as we emerge from the pandemic. We feel it would be a bit of a missed opportunity for Europe as we need to work together to build a post-COVID future. I think I just wanted to provide a few examples about you know, how digital technology has been crucial in helping manage the effects of COVID. For example, you know, we helped set up you know, the free contact tracing app together with Apple and to actually manage to suspend basically the outbreaks of the COVID. And this app was used you know, in 15 member states. And also another example, which I find actually quite interesting is that at the beginning of the pandemic, there is more than 1 million businesses that actually posted some updates on COVID to say when they were open, when they were closed, when you could pick up some goods or actually if you could get online delivery. And we saw millions of click on retailers' websites, you know, every week to actually be able to provide, you know, what the people needed. 
So as businesses started adjusting to remote working, we also saw more interest in topics such as productivity, technology, and digital transformation on Google search. And this is why we launched you know, a new tool, which is called Teach From Home, that provides information like training and tools to help teachers and instructors move to teaching remotely. Over the past months, we've seen the power of technology as a tool to bring people together, keep them safe, and help them through difficult times. So now more than ever, we should not focus on how to limit innovation by a few companies, but more how the full range of digital tools available can contribute to Europe's recovery and to economic success. So we need to give more to European consumers and businesses. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Um, I think we've heard from all of you uh, about the importance of digital and specifically, Karen just mentioned online advertising, enabling SMEs to reach new customers in new markets to help them grow, to help them scale up. But I'd like to hear a bit more about um, what SMEs are currently doing. So some very specific best practice examples of how SMEs are successfully using uh, digital tools. Um, Birgit, would you, uh, would you be able to highlight some best practice examples for us, please? Yes, I, I may have a, a best practice example. I think it's also, it depends very much uh, in, in which area you are active and digitalization means something different for all the different types of SMEs. But um, uh, we have had a, the example of a, of a bakery uh, that started using digital technologies uh, for its uh, production processes and so on. Uh, something that you would probably, being a bakery, a small bakery in the corner, not really think about. And uh, they have seen loads of benefits uh, of this uh, process because, I mean, they became, of course, more uh, cost and, and resource efficient uh, on, on material. But they, they also found it easier, for example, to find staff because uh, with this digitalization, they, the, the staff didn't have to come, uh, have to come in that early. So uh, that was also a, a very... Uh, Good uh, side effect. So um, that is uh, one example that I would like to share, and it also shows that digitalization is not just for for tech companies, uh, but really uh, for the shop next door. Yeah, that, that that's an excellent practical example. And Ivan, I, I wonder if you have uh, other other examples that you hear your members uh, talking about. You know, what what's best practice? Uh, for, for some of your members. Yes, there are many good examples, particularly from uh, tourist uh, sector, which uh, has been heavily touched. Uh, basically, business went down by 70% this last year, but many small companies, they try to become more and more digital. They approached uh, offers by digital tools. Uh, they target uh, customers by... Uh, digital uh, ways and so many many uh, small companies family companies they became more, more digital in in last year and they see now benefits another example is that they try to share also their practices within uh, eu even despite some barriers for traveling they they share what they are doing and they learn from each other i think there are also good uh, activities from European uh, level, which still uh, exist. For example, uh, 
uh, Erasmus for Young Entrepreneurs. This is the platform for young entrepreneurs uh, who start uh, to realize their business plans and they learn via this platform also what are the digital practices, best practices in other countries. So I can encourage all entrepreneurs to use such uh, kind of programs and to learn uh, from each other. Yeah, so Arba, um, what are some of the new opportunities or innovations that these digital tools are already bringing? And again, please try and focus on some uh, very specific examples. Well, I think that question should be asked to entrepreneurs and the people who are running businesses, um, honestly. And I think we have the wrong approach when we, from policy side, discuss, uh, oh, the digital single market or the digital economies, like something that is new or special or uh, that people are using digital as some kind of extra service for, for their uh, operations. But the fact is that digitalization is, uh, I mean, the infrastructure today. Uh, and I think most of the companies in some years or a few years will be software companies. Even that bakery that would mention here will, uh, will not be able to operate without using uh, tools online or services online. So, I mean, that's very basic. What I can say is that uh, when we are not trying to uh, legislate on on uh, on platforms, for example, uh, because we want to create um, clear rules for all platforms operating in Europe. I think it's also very important to when we regulate, we we must think about what is the consequences uh, on the small companies. Like for example, if if some policymakers are trying to make uh, the big platforms liable for every product sold uh, on the platform, uh, then the consequences of that would be that the, the biggest platforms or online marketplaces would hinder the small traders to operate in those platforms because it's basically very, very difficult or, um, to, uh, to track every small uh, product or every trader that are selling online on your on your platform so sometimes the good intentions as policymakers can have uh, disastrous consequences so every time we when we discuss uh, uh, these legislations on how to tackle the biggest ones we need to always think about what is the consequences of the smallest companies yeah okay um so, uh, Karen, let me ask you the, the question. Arbor indicated that it'd be better for the uh, uh, for business to to answer that. So, you know, the new opportunities and innovations that um, these digital tools are already bringing. What are you? What are your thoughts? Thank you very much. It's true that we we see a lot of uh, of uh, you know SMEs working on our platforms. So I think I can give a bit of a hint on that. I mean, what we saw is that uh, when um, SMEs have been using digital tools during the pandemic, they basically got 80% better sales and 60% better revenue. So even you know using some basic tools. And I think I would go back to uh, to two things which were said before. I mean, the first thing is skills. You know, 
it's okay we provide the right tools, but the SMEs need to know how, to be able to about how to use them. And we know we saw on research that about 22% of the SMEs actually lacking the capacity and the skills about you know how to do that. And that's why it's important to help them and to help them, as you say, you know, spend the time and spend the efforts to move towards these tools. And uh, the other thing which is needed is finance. And uh, sometimes they lack financial resources, you know, to go digital, you know, to take the time to hire the right person to do it. And, and it's important to do it. I mean, uh, in our company, of course, because we got a certain scale, we can actually do that. So we've been already training, you know, since 2015, about 18 million people about how to do this training, how to work, you know, on these tools. We also uh, partner with the, uh, the Commission Pack for Skills, so we could provide actually some of these trainings for the next generation skills for people so that they could actually come and develop, you know, this capacity across uh, society. And we also provide some uh, some local support, like in Etherbeck or in Mons, you know, we really try to partner with companies. So be able, you know, for them to, 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 to get the tools and also, you know, to be supported as we're saying with the right policies are like the, the most important part. So there, there are clearly many opportunities that exist. So the, the question that, that I raise is why aren't all SMEs using uh, digital tools to, to grow their business? And there's quite a, uh, a surprising statistic that approximately 30% of SMEs don't currently have websites. Now that does include all the micro uh, businesses as, uh, as well. But why is this? Um, Karen, you just mentioned uh, some of the difficulties and barriers, but is it more about, uh, is it a problem of availability, of capacity, of capability? You know, what are uh, the, the main barriers, whether they're short-term barriers or longer, um, longer-term structural barriers, and how do we overcome them? Um, Birgit, what, what's your thought on, on the barriers uh, here? I think it's a mix of, of different things, but um, I mean, Jan has mentioned this shocking figure that 59% of companies that haven't yet done anything uh, substantial to, to, to digitalize, uh, they, they think it's not necessary. They don't see the added value. They even think it's not compatible with their business uh, model. So I think it starts, uh, the very starting point is this very difficult awareness raising and uh, it's true, we shouldn't teach uh, companies about how, how good is artificial intelligence and so on and so on. What they need is um, a kind of very concrete uh, advice. Uh, how can digital, and they don't have to understand this technology, uh, how can it make my business more efficient, more productive, and so on. So this is, uh, I think, the first step that, uh, that is needed. It's um, certainly also a generation issue, I would say. Um, we definitely see, of course, that the youngsters uh, are much more at ease with, with dealing with digital skills. So it's about to see how can young staff, for example, bring new ideas into, um, in, into companies. But it's also important that we offer these uh, uh, learning uh, possibilities for, for managers that they that they really see this so um and yeah then i mean there are also the regulatory barriers uh, i agree uh, e-commerce is not always the easiest uh, or the rules then attached to it um 
and um, and of course then there are also investments uh, to be taken sometimes there's an insecurity what are the right standards we don't always have the right standards so uh, companies are a bit hesitant for which technology to go because uh, they want to see where's the rest of the market going so um yeah it's quite a mix of uh, different fields yeah yeah, and how do you perceive this in uh, in in your country? What are what are the barriers that you see? Thank you, Ross. Well, we have mentioned the single market here. It was mentioned by MEP Kokolari. That's of course the, a crucial thing for a country like Czech Republic, which gets sixty five percent of our GDP is from exports. You know that's why we are absolutely dependent on on the internal market and. Uh, if you get me started on the barriers on the single market, we would be here for, for a long time. So, but let me perhaps uh, turn it the other way around. Uh, the offer that we give our SMEs in terms of uh, the tools we give them to, to help them go cross-border, the instruments on the single market. We have some excellent instruments. We have the points of single contact. We have the product contact points. We have the solve it uh, to solve problems. We are creating the single, single digit gateway. N now, um, if the offer that we give is practical, it is easy to use, and they get results immediately, then of course the SMEs will want to use that more. So I think um, not only should we teach the SMEs how to go digital, but also the offer that that we give should be excellent in order to uh, to also show them uh, how beneficial that is. Okay, let, let's uh, turn our attention to the regulatory uh, environment and what is the best uh, environment to help SMEs. So any regulation like the Digital Services Act that's been mentioned, like the e-commerce directive, must achieve balance. And uh, we're talking about a good balance in this case between consumers, businesses, whether big or small businesses, and online platforms. And I'm sure we all want the same result here. We all want a thriving SME sector uh, in Europe, uh, creating new jobs and consumers who are well protected and have plenty of choice. Um, how can policymakers get this balance right when it comes to the interaction between these three main stakeholder groups, the users, the businesses, and the platforms? I'd like all of you uh, to, to briefly uh, comment on this, uh, starting with the policymakers. So, Birgit, how do you get the balance right? Well, um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult issue. Um, in, we actually have developed even a tool for that. Um, when in the commission we prepare um, legal proposals, uh, we, we do usually an impact assessment. Uh, and within this impact assessment, we have an SME test. Um, so we really ask uh, uh, the colleagues who, who work and prepare an initiative to not look globally at uh, uh, how an, a proposal would affect the big, uh, uh, the, 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 the complete range of companies, but also to look what does it mean for micro SME, uh, micro companies, what does it mean for small companies, and then if you compare, is the uh, is the impact uh, disproportionate? Then you should think about some some mitigating measures. Um, uh, to get the balance right, I mean, of course, uh, there are always legitimate interests uh, that we that uh, why we are legislating. It's not because people in Brussels are bored in, in, in the institutions. Um, 
sometimes I, ha I have the feeling that there is a tendency that uh, we, we always try to regulate on the black sheep, on the few black sheep, and thereby we punish uh, the vast, uh, how should I say, majority of, of companies who are actually doing, doing things right. Um, but yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult balance to achieve. I think you really have to perform always a, a clear risk assessment. Where is the risk coming from? And are the, the tools that you are using, that you're imposing, in particular administrative burden, which is about reporting. Um, so not just complying with, uh, with essential requirements, but, but reporting, uh, filling in forms and, and so on. Is this really uh, appropriate for the, for, the, uh, impact that we, uh, for the effect that we want to achieve with this? Okay, thank, thanks for that, uh, Birgit Arba. Uh, getting the balance right between users, businesses, platforms, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is the most important thing that we are discussing, how to create that balance. Uh, in one hand, to make sure that we have uh, freedom of speech online. On the other hand, to make sure that the consumers and users are protected online. And on the third hand, to make sure that we have a uh, playing level field and to make sure that SMEs and competition uh, are growing. So this is what we are trying to balance all the time. That's why it's uh, it's not that easy to to uh, to make these legislations. But I totally agree with Birgit, who's saying that in every uh, in every way we need to have impact assessments because honestly, politicians are not uh, CEOs or. Uh, um, uh, project managers uh, in a company or product managers, we are politicians because we are represented by the citizens and we need to have different perspectives uh, to us to understand where we should put the right balance to sort of uh, improve all of these interests. Uh, but uh, concretely, there has to be legal certainty for SMEs, clear guidelines uh, on how to implement a, a law. Uh, we need to have maximum harmonization so that uh, SMEs can folk know that there are one set of rules when I uh, operate in the European mar market and not 27 different or that uh, countries are implementing the rules differently uh, and that the rules are technology neutral so that they're not made for Google or Facebook but they are made for also the upcoming and future uh, companies and services that are created online. So, uh, yeah, and, and, the, and the last one, as I said, to make sure that we do not have trickle-down effects. But I think that's why impact assessments are so important. Okay, Ivan, uh, your, your thoughts, impact assessments also important in the process? Oh, definitely, yes. Impact assessment is very important, but I think what is important it is uh, continuous dialogue this is not only about one file even very important one which will regulate the environment for decade or two but i think it is about continuous dialogue between legislators and uh, businesses and and consumers as well so we have to take into consideration that uh, all the legislative changes which we are working on must uh, simplify the procedure so we have to uh, fight for simplification, for transparency, for predictability. So it must be clear, particularly this is very, very important for small and medium businesses that uh, 
legislation is, is transparent because very often this is uh, the most important obstacle for doing business. Just that uh, small businesses, they do not understand uh, the legislative changes or even it's, it's uh, very, very difficult. So I do believe this is about simplification, transparency, but this is uh, about continuous dialogue between uh, uh, businesses, platforms, and users, and legislators must also be engaged in this op in this uh, open dialogue uh, with digital services providers. Also, to understand that technological advancements uh, they are playing very important role, and also they have to ensure that our regulatory environment can adapt new technologies so that citizens and wider society can benefit. So we should not put by regulation some new barriers for potential innovations. Thank you. Yeah, so we're getting some common themes from everyone here. Simplification, transparency. Um, Jan, your thoughts on this, please. Thank you, Russ. I've done a lot of nodding during the last three speakers. I've agreed uh, to all they were saying, especially on the on the trickle-down effect. I think this is the biggest risk we have in the DSA that's coming. Uh, it might just be uh, the fact that we think we are regulating the big players, but in fact, we'll be putting all these obligations on, on, on the small players. So there's all agreement. I would just repeat what everyone else has said. I, I will not do that, uh, but it's, it's total agreement on our side. Okay, and um, Karen, best regulatory environment uh, to help SMEs? Where do you think uh, the right balance can be struck? Exactly. I also think, you know, a lot has been said, but I think I would reinforce the legal certainty for businesses. And this is not just actually uh, for the big or the small ones, I mean, for everybody, because we need to create a unified framework across Europe. Actually, that's why we're trying to do the DSA and we're trying to create a market so that we have one unified market across the 27. So we need to develop some clear, consistent rules and also allow for the flexibility to innovate because, you know, technology is going so fast in terms of the development. We need to make sure the regulation is not steeping things up, but actually allow for the next generations of developments. And I think I'll take the DSA as an example, you know, and I think it's been said already is it's not just, you know, focusing on how the regulation is going to affect, you know, the platforms, but also going to affect the users, you know, the smaller businesses which are using these platforms. And so we have things like, you know, the risk of overblocking of the user content or the risk of extraterritorial order against illegal content. So we have strong incentive to, to you know, to address the concerns being raised. And we think actually, you know, passing this legislation is going to address these concerns in a harmonized way across Europe. Okay, so DSA has come up quite a lot uh, in, the, in the last uh, section. Uh, we're not going to dwell on the DSA, but I do want to ask uh, a specific question about it. It is, of course, due to be finalized and adopted under the French presidency uh, early next year. It's designed to do many things, but looking just at SMEs, how is it specifically going to help them grow and uh, you know Karen just men mentioned some uh, unintended consequences do you also see unintended consequences for SMEs uh, resulting uh, from the DSA uh, Arba well my my hope is that it will create um, more of a stability and that we come into uh, order when it comes to this digital uh, wild west 
that we've had on social media and on uh, online marketplaces. But because honestly, there are a lot of uh, companies, uh, consumers, NGOs, uh, stakeholders who say that, okay, now the EU member states are trying to regulate this differently. So you need to take action on what we should do with the platforms, who should be liable for what content and so on. So I would say there has been a lot of uh, unity uh, on, uh, on many stakeholders uh, because uh, it has to be, be clear that, for example, if you, if you sell online your products and uh, we have um, companies from third countries who are selling their products into the European market without complying with uh, European regulation on uh, chemicals, on uh, environment and so on, then the European companies who are selling and complying with all the rules that we have into, in the internal market, uh, the competition is broken then if some else comes in and sells stuff that are not complied with so this is one thing i i hope that there has to be uh, a more responsibility for uh, online marketplaces to understand <clears throat> who is selling on their platforms that platforms who come from a third country uh, needs to have uh, to comply also with the rules uh, within the europe so I think it will become better for the SMEs who are operating in e-commerce. And I think it, it's going to also set clear rules for uh, social media companies and others who are running platforms on, uh, okay, uh, how should I handle content and uh, which are the clear rules. And I think for SMEs and all companies, they want uh, predictability to know which are the rules and that, that they are long-term and they are certain. Okay, so predictability, stability, clarity. Um, Ivan, what are, what are your thoughts on how the DSA is really going to help uh, SMEs grow? So first of all, I fully agree with Arbas. And just to add to this, I think SMEs, they need uh, ex-ante regulation because so far there was in place only exposed regulation. So we need to have uh, ex-ante regulation um, because of uh, stability and predictability what, what's going on. On top of that, I think we need uh, some uh, improvement in terms of uh, competi having competition tools. So new competition tools should also empower basically the European Commission to close loopholes in the current competition rules and to fix also structural competition problem in the markets promptly and efficiently. So from my point of view, View, this is the most important and uh, main aspects on top of that uh, of the implementation of DSA should be really uh, cooperation and uh, supervision. So this is also about cooperation between small players and big platforms about uh, having really clear rules and uh, also having uh, the right access to data. Nobody should protect their data. There must be really cl clear rules uh, for SMEs when uh, and where they can uh, have the access, uh, fair access to the data. Okay. Karen, in, in your last intervention, you mentioned uh, unintended consequences. Would you, would you like to expand on that a bit and whether you see uh, any of these unintended consequences resulting uh, from the DSA? 
Yeah, I'm very happy to. So basically, we also feel like, you know, if the GSA is well designed, it, it's going to protect the consumers and it's going to boost uh, the European businesses. And I think that's actually what is very important. Uh, the GSA is, is really posing itself on the core principles of the e-commerce. And this is why, you know, like um, the conditional intermediate liability regime, the prohibition of uh, mandating your own monitoring on the country of origin principle. And this has really enabled the growth, basically, of digital economy. And that actually needs to be really, you know, uh, kept. And we don't want to see some erodes, erode, eroding, basically, of these principles. And uh, what we want to make sure that there is no, like, um, you know, imbalance of the incentive or like this unintended consequences. So, for instance, you know, in the DSA, in the parliament, I mean, there is discussion about, you know, maybe limiting some targeted ads, uh, advertising. And I think this is actually quite problematic, you know, we feel, because it would fundamentally change the way, you know, the, 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 the platform basically as a business model is working. There's also a discussion about, you know, the moderation of online platform and recommended content. So all these kind of, of discussions are important because they would really have an impact about the way we're working at the moment. Thank you. Um, a number of you uh, have mentioned certainty. Now, all companies, of course, want and need certainty. Uh, they want the assurance that they are operating on a level playing field with fair trading conditions and full transparency. And that's especially important when the big online platforms, the gatekeepers, intermediating between business and consumers, are essentially ranking their content. Uh, is there enough transparency for SMEs to be confident that they are indeed operating in a fair business environment? Um, Birgit, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, as the European legislator, we have thought that there was not enough transparency. This is why there was a, a business to platform regulation. Um, that is in place now and, and, and clarifies uh, some of uh, some of these issues. Um, um, so, um, yeah, sometimes it's a bit, um, I think that companies are not so well aware of the decisions uh, that are made. Uh, uh, sometimes we have the feeling that even the platforms are not always clear why their algorithms uh, lead to certain um, decisions on on. on um, yeah, uh, how companies are rated, for example, or are presented uh, uh, on different platforms. So I think uh, it's um, it was an area where it was important to to look into that and to make sure that uh, these decisions are taken on a kind of objective basis and that there is a possibility for companies to understand and to get information uh, why certain decisions have been taken in that way. And um, Ivan, when, when speaking to your members, do you uh, get the sense that they feel there's enough transparency to be operating in this fair business environment? I do believe this is also the room for improvement. There can be more transparency, uh, for example, allowing business owners to understand how they are ranked relative to other businesses. Uh, so it can be potentially a positive step, particularly if information is used to find new markets. So uh, I do understand this need uh, 
is to be balanced with potential impacts on user privacy as well. But I still think there is some room for improvement. There can be more transparency. And I do believe that uh, DSA is really vital new framework and it's important to, to, to get it right. Okay, thank you. And Arba, do you, what, what's your view on this level playing field? Are SMEs uh, operating on a level playing field, do you think? Uh, well, um, I hope so, and that's uh, my ambition, that we should in, have fair competition, uh, easy, easier to compete, and I think that's also the reason why we've had such a big discussion on both Digital Services Act, but also about the Digital Markets Act, which we uh, had a vote on uh, last week. And because there are clearly a lot of companies who believe that their the competition has not been fair, and uh, that we've had the the biggest uh, tech companies uh, uh, being more of like a gatekeepers, only promoting their own services. Um, so, and and the competition rule that we've that we've had in in the EU has not been enough to to ensure that uh, level playing field. So um, I think I think it's uh, I think that these two uh, packages of legislation will create a more uh, a better business environment in Europe. But we also have to be cautious to make sure that they don't have a uh, bad intent or um, an unpredicted uh, consequence for for the SMEs. Yeah, I'd like I'd like Karen to come in on this because there's been some uh, you know comments about the big online platforms in the in the last few minutes, um, and of course SMEs and startups they are dependent on the large platforms' terms and conditions as to how their content is ranked and advertised and how their communication channels through platforms are uh, are moderated don't have access to data related to their consumers that stems from activity on a gatekeeper platform. But if they did have that access, had, had access to that data, it would give them the, the tools to refine and adapt their marketing strategies. And we know, we know that um, gatekeepers are necessary to access the uh, European internal market. They act as, important, as an important gateway uh, for business users to reach their customers. And there's no doubt that uh, they help SMEs in this respect. But um, Karen, do you ever feel that um, the big platforms are somehow hindering SMEs in other ways? Thank you very much. You know, that's what I'm here for is actually to answer these questions. Uh, so basically, I just I will link it basically to the transparency discussion. I mean, I have to say, you know, we're very committed to provide more in transparency, you know, for the businesses so that they really understand, you know, the content they're seeing and also, you know, how the, you know, um, the business is working. And we've actually done a lot of discussing data, you know, content moderation, remove requests, blocking ads, and also in terms of like, you know, understanding for um of the SMEs, you know, the, the product and the services on the site, you know, how they're evaluated and rank. So I think we actually welcome that, you know, more constructive transparency with the DSA. And as long as we continue, you know, to, to protect the user privacy and then, of course, sensitive information commercially. But 
that was the first point. And then on the second point you wanted to ask me, I think, you know, if, if we go back a little bit, I mean, the, um, the online uh, platforms have created an unprecedented market entry and expansion for SMEs. And I think it's interesting to say because, you know, before, you know, an SME would not have advertised basically in the, in the FT or in Le Monde, you know. So basically it has created a much bigger market. They've got the capacity to go, you know, exponentially to reach new customers, to actually go into new markets. It has reduced their cost, but of course, you know, it has, we also need to make sure that it goes into the right way. And uh, I think, you know, it, it has also created real value for the consumers. And, uh, you know, like for instance, you know, uh, if you go on, on, on Google, you search for something in the, in the SMEs where there is no website, you actually can get a lot of uh, a panel with a lot of information. So I buy a lot of things locally. And for me, this is really helpful to know when the shop is open, you know, if I can actually phone them directly, you know, through the platform. So these kind of things are very, very, very important and I think very helpful. And um, another thing we've actually helped to do is um, research and development and investment. So, I mean, you know, what you can see that overall, uh, Europe is investing in our idea about like 3.5%, something like that. And companies like us have actually brought a lot of investment and innovation and to actually help thrive that. So I think it's, I don't see that, you know, one against each other, but actually working together to make sure that there is benefit for everybody. Okay, thank you, Karen. I, I, I've got a few questions that have come in on the platform, so I'll turn to those now. And the first one is actually uh, to Arba. Um, it's a question from Dorota from Panop Tycon Foundation. And uh, Dorota asks, we gathered evidence that SMEs would not mind restricting online advertising based on behavioral profiling, which in current practice means targeting people based on their hidden features like health, financial situation, or political views, and exploring and, and exploiting their vulnerabilities. Will IMCO's position address this issue in any way to empower users? Well, yeah, we've had a lot of discussions in uh, my committee about advertising. The first, the intention of the DSA was not to um, regulate on advertising, but uh, it was brought up by uh, some of uh, uh, my uh, political colleagues from other party groups uh, who suggested a ban on targeted advertising. Uh, since we had a discussion about transparency, and for me and for my party group, uh, EPP, transparency is very important. Yes, we want to make sure that consumers and users online can understand why they get specific ads, uh, th uh, that they can, if they don't want it, they can choose. Uh, so strengthening the, the consumer and the, the user power is of course very important. And, and on that, we want to also make it easier for, for users to complain uh, when content are, are removed and to have more explanation why it's removed and so on. But, um transparency doesn't mean that we need to ban advertising and i mean most of advertising today 2021 is online and the crucial way for for a small company or an entrepreneur or any company uh, to to reach their customers is to use more of targeted advertising so, I mean, I think also as a consumer, 
you can be very annoyed when you get ad ads that is totally irrelevant for you. So uh, by banning uh, targeted advertising, you practically ban uh, most of advertising online or advertising at all. And that's something that I cannot accept, but I'm totally in favor to increase transparency on how data is used and to strengthen the, the user uh, power on that. Ivan, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on this as well. Um, you know, Arba has, has just explained why um, advertising should in no way be, be banned, perhaps even targeted uh, advertising. Now, it, it, it can actually be argued that consumers are getting a pretty good deal. A lot of the services that they uh, previously paid for uh, are now free. So uh, what's wrong with a big platform offering free services and that platform deciding what business model they want to pursue or even impose on others like uh, uh, targeted ads. What, what, what do you think? Well, I, I have a similar view as Arba presented. I uh, do believe that consumers today, they have really access to an unrivaled selection of services online and targeted ads really can provide value uh, not only for businesses but also for consumers uh, as well as there is also full transparency uh, how data is collected and how this allows consumer to benefit from a free and personalized internet so we have uh, really many many smes and uh, the number is uh, is rising reaching right uh, new customers so really restricting or banning targeted ads would introduce a major obstacle to growing their customer base in really cost-effective and efficient manner. And I do believe that the DSA uh, was uh, uh, or has been prepared just to update Europe's horizontal digital rules and not to introduce sector-specific measures such as online advertising restrictions. So I, I do believe that we should... Uh, we should keep uh, targeted ads as the uh, as important point for SMEs and for customers as well. Okay, now I've mentioned targeted ads. Um, I, I see that Birgit, Jan and Karen all want to uh, comment on that. So uh, let's um, start with Birgit, Bri briefly if you may. Actually, my point was not on targeted ads, um, but more generally on, um, I don't think we should juxtapose uh, big and, and, and small, but, and, uh, but uh, on targeted ads, I would not want to comment uh, at this stage. Okay. Um, Jan, you did have a comment, though, on that. Thank you. Just, just like Mr. Stefan had said, I think advertising is a good example to show that very small SMEs, very small platforms even, are on this equal footing as users of the big online platforms because they have similar resources. If it's a very small, if it's a very small craftsman or a very small e-shop, they would have roughly the same budget for advertising as a private person would want to advertise his amateur concert. Uh, uh, so so uh, what we do uh, for the users, we do also for the SMEs. But at the same time, we have mentioned the, the, the Wild West uh, current situation. Now, I, we think that the question comes to 
whether the sheriff is going to only shoot the bad guys or whether it's going to be free range shooting and then cut the costs would overweigh the benefits. Thank you. Okay. And Karen, uh, you wanted to come in on the targeted ads as well, please. Thank you. Yes. I mean, I just wanted to make uh, two, three points. I mean, like MEP uh, Stefanek was saying, I mean, I think there is, you know, the DSA purpose is more to talk about, you know, content moderation is to, is to talk about, you know, platform liability. So I think, you know, putting everything on the DSA maybe doesn't make sense. I mean, there are other legislation coming. There are many coming and uh, there are some on ads which are going to be like addressing political ads, which is one of, of part of the question, you know, talking about, you know, and other parts talking about ads. So I think we should try not to put everything into the DSA because otherwise we will never close that discussion. The other thing I wanted to add as well is that, um, you know, there are a lot of things coming in terms of innovation. And uh, we have things that we call, you know, privacy pervasing technologies, which together with AI allows us to basically create a kind of group of people without actually having very much data at all. And that's actually new technology coming up, which are going to really preserve privacy and still allow basically for somewhat targeted ads. And that kind of things, you know, would there is no need to, to ban ads, you know, because a lot of things are coming up into that direction. And the third thing I wanted to say that as a user, you know, I'm doing my Christmas shopping. I'm very happy, you know, someone is uh, giving me recommendations, you know, for what should be uh, my toys for the kids. And I find it very helpful. And as, you know, Amit Kalari was saying, I mean, I don't want to receive absolutely irrelevant ads. So I think there is a benefit for, for the different stakeholders, for the SMEs who can get, you know, their, their, their customers, but also for users as well. And I find it actually pretty good. And this idea of micro-targeting, getting a lot of data, I mean, we at Google, we don't do this kind of things. There is no need for that, basically, to be able to, to propose some advertisement. And the last bit I wanted to say is that targeted ads also has a huge impact uh, for the publishers and that it allows basically to, to sponsor quality journalism. And I think we should not forget that it actually impacts the whole chain, basically, of, uh, of the industry. Okay, Bigot, I think you actually wanted to come in on uh, this relationship between gatekeepers and SMEs. Um, so please um, do that. But I, I will also ask another question that's come in from George Florin uh, Staiku. And he asks, uh, what is the Commission and Parliament strategy and short, medium-term strategy and action plans to support the SMEs to successfully cope with the impact of ESG and the need for inclusive finance and AI digitalization? And that's for Birgit. And uh, Birgit, if you'd, you'd also like to comment on the gatekeepers SME relationship as well. Yes. Um, well, on the on the letter, I just wanted to mention. Um, I don't think there is a. This is a question of of juxtaposing the two. And as Karen has said, I mean the the big uh, companies are of course offering a lot of possibilities for SMEs. I think what we need is clarity. We also need some um, uh, awareness raising uh, amongst the companies, um, uh, and especially this issue about access to data is 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 something uh, that is quite important. Um, and I don't see this as something that is so specific to, let's say, just online platforms and so on in the. 
we see, I see this in a broader context that it is a fact that uh, small businesses uh, in in, um, in relationships with bigger businesses, they have uh, less bargaining power. And, um, and there is, uh, in certain instances, if we see that this uh, power is, uh, is abused, uh, I have also other examples uh, that are not related to, to online practices. Uh, but this relates to, to long payment delays that are imposed uh, on, on, on small companies. Um, then I think there is a need for uh, the, the legislator to intervene if we see that something like this is systemic. So this is the point I wanted to make. On the uh, question from the chat, um, I understand that this is the strategy about uh, your sustainable uh, governance or can you yes, can exactly. repeat it again? Yeah, so it's what, what, what is the um, strategy to support SMEs to successfully uh, cope with the impact of ESG? Well, uh, of course, this is going to be, I think, a major challenge uh, for companies because, uh, yeah, the, the Green Deal will, will come with a lot of... Uh, uh, reporting obligations, uh, diligence obligations, disclosure obligations. Um, there are currently a lot of uh, proposals in the pipeline. Uh, I uh, think here the important thing is to make sure that those proposals are consistent uh, because uh, these requirements are coming always from very different perspectives. Sometimes uh, they are made from the investor perspectives. Uh, then uh, they can also come more from the consumer perspective. I think what is important uh, for the small businesses that we have consistency, that for them they don't have to deal with different obligations uh, on, on similar issues and that we try to use the um, yeah, synergies as, as much as possible. Okay, well, th thank you, Birgit. We, we've sadly come to the end of uh, today's debate. We could go on for a lot longer, but we have heard today that the future of the global economy will have everything to do with digitalization. Cutting edge technologies such as blockchain, IoT, 5G, cloud computing, robotics, AI, uh, along with the emergence of new digitalized business models will dramatically change the global economy. SMEs are, of course, a cornerstone of the European economy, and they need the very best access to those digital technologies. Euractiv will continue to closely follow these uh, important developments. But in the meantime, thank you all for being with us today, and we look forward to seeing you at our next policy debate.